Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear these words of scripture. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Dan. In today's scripture, we are on the verge of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. Bethany, where they are, is just outside the city, and this jubilant hosannas of Palm Sunday are about to ring out. And we know the events of the coming week. Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem his saying his last goodbye to the disciples at the Last Supper and washing their feet, and then his betrayal and crucifixion. But at this point in the story, at this point in Scripture, the disciples are not aware of all of the events that are about to unfold. And yet, here we see Lazarus's sister Mary, sensitive to what everyone else in the story overlooks, tenderly anointing Jesus's body for burial in this brazen act of beauty. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My first date with my husband, Rasul, was a spectacular evening of misadventures. I won't go into the long and drawn out story, but know that for years, I, he and I disagreed as to whether it was actually our first date. Did it really constitute as a date? I said, no, it didn't count. He said, yes because he brought me flowers and I wore perfume. Unbeknownst to me at the time, those simple acts of beauty set that evening apart as special. The beginning of our spectacular misadventures that we have had for the rest of our lives. And in today's scripture, we see this act of beauty that sets an evening apart. 
Only one chapter earlier, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And now we see Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, joyfully welcoming Jesus into their home. And after dinner, Mary kneels at Jesus' feet. She pours out this fragrant perfume, perfume that might have been originally intended to anoint her brother's body after death. And the scent of this perfume, it fills the entire room. And in this beautiful and loving act of worship, Mary, whether she knows it or not, prepares Jesus' body for the events that are about to happen. And yet Judas Iscariot criticizes Mary, saying, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And on one level, I can understand where his disgust is coming from. That's a very expensive perfume that she just poured over Jesus' feet for seemingly no reason. Jesus, though, he sees and he understands and defends Mary, saying, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And that is a strange response from Jesus. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. On the surface, it sounds as if Jesus is accepting the permanence of poverty, as if to say, well, don't worry too much about the poor because they'll always be there. You'll always have them. But you're not going to have me. However, Jesus is actually saying the opposite of this. And he's echoing something that Moses says in Deuteronomy, a passage that Jesus' Jewish followers would have known very well. And in the passage that Jesus references, Moses is talking about this custom of the sabbatical year and every seven years remission of debt. And Moses warns against this custom being used as an excuse for being tight-fisted every other year, every other day of existence. Actually, Moses tells them, this generous, open-handed stance should be continual, not merely occasional, not just for one year, because in the world as we know it, there will always be opportunities to be generous. And in referencing this passage, Jesus here is calling out Judas's hypocrisy. He's saying Mary is embodying this, this open-handedness that our faith calls us to live out every day. Yes, it's through this continual open-handedness that we will work towards God's vision of the world in which there is no one in need. And yet, Jesus knows and shares that along the way there are going to be moments when special acts of generosity, moments of extravagance in love, are beautiful and fitting. And he knows that this is one of those moments, that this is no ordinary dinner gathering, but this is a farewell. And in this brazen act 
of beauty, Mary shows that she also understands the stakes. She sees that Jesus is on the verge of this great trial and this horrific death. And so she honors him ahead of time, not waiting until he is dead, but offering him solace and and encouragement with almost unbearable tenderness. After dinner, with everyone still sitting around, she anoints Jesus' feet, wiping them with her hair. Such a vulnerable and bold act of loving worship to Jesus. In that moment, her faith doesn't hide. It isn't frugal. It's embodied and it's broken open. It's poured out in that moment. She uses her entire self to show the extravagance of her faith. This year during Lent, we've spent our journey towards Easter morning dwelling in this truth that God fills us to the brim with God's spirit of love and hope, of courage and joy in each and every moment of our lives. But we know that we're not filled to the brim just for ourselves. We each have opportunities in our lives to follow Mary's example, to open our hands in ways that embody our faith, allowing the abundance that God has filled us with to flow over the brim, flow out of our hands, our mouths, our hearts, our feet, into our everyday lives. So often we, we keep all of our faith, all of those Those actions, we we store them up, waiting for that big moment where we can show our faith. But here, Jesus is calling us to a faith that is lived out in these beautiful acts of faith every single day. So where are these moments in your life? Where could you be extravagant with your faith? Where could you demonstrate a bold act of God's love. Bold doesn't necessarily mean big. Russ brought me flowers. I wore perfume. Whether I was willing to admit it in that moment or not, we were setting that night apart as special, acknowledging that God had placed us in each other's lives for a reason. And that's kind of a silly example of living out your faith, but often when we remember the silly, that then reminds us of the real point, that it's simple things like that, that are brave, that are intentional. Maybe your embodied act of faith is seeing someone struggling and saying to them, I've struggled with that too. I see you, and you're not alone. Or it's smiling and patiently listening when your parent or your friend tells you the same story that you've heard a thousand times, but you're loving them in that moment, allowing them to relive that memory that they treasure. Or it's getting the kids ready in the morning to allow your spouse to sleep a little longer, 
These brazen acts do not need to be big, but they need to be done with purpose and intentionality. Like Mary saying, I see you, Jesus, and can only imagine what is going to happen, but I am here with you now, and I love you, and I see you. Maybe it is inviting someone to worship with you on Easter. Because, I mean, so many people come on Easter. We won't see them anyway. It's okay. They can sneak in, right? Or inviting them to the table, helping them to see that they too are loved, that this table, this table of God's, it's for them as well. As we come to this table, one of the ways that we confess, that we have an opportunity to confess, is to acknowledge that we don't take those moments of faith in our lives. We don't stand tall in our faith, but we will sit down nice and quietly in comfort. We won't take the step out and say, I'm going to stand with you. But we'll stand to the side and say, okay, good job. But here we acknowledge where we've fallen short, not to dwell in that, but to release it and then fill ourselves with God. And so I invite you to pray this prayer of confession with me acknowledging that, those moments where we have fallen short so that we might be filled with the courage of God. Jesus of Nazareth, we admit that often we tuck our faith into our pockets, hiding in a place of comfort rather than proudly declaring, yes, we are Christian, yes, we believe, Yes, this faith has changed me. We are so afraid of offending others or embarrassing ourselves that we have established rules. No faith at the dinner table. No faith in politics. No faith with strangers. Forgive us for whispering when we could be singing. Forgive us for staying quiet when we could be part of rewriting the narrative. We want to be brave. We want to pour out perfume over your feet. These things we pray. Amen. Family of faith, hear this good news. Even in our silence, God loves us. Even in our fear or shame, God chooses us. Even when we sin, God wraps us in grace. You are free to be bold, to be brazen, to be exactly who God called you to be. Thanks be to God. Amen. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread from his table and he gave thanks to God. 
And then he told his disciples, this is the bread broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup from his table. And again, after giving thanks to God, he told his disciples, drink of this. This is the cup of my new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Most holy God, pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, O God, make us one with Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we get to feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. As we celebrate this morning, know that this is an open table. All those who are willing and and wanting and desiring to receive God's grace are welcome here. This is a gluten-free table, so all are able to celebrate together. And it is a space where we can come and take a moment for ourselves with God. As you come forward, I invite you to receive the bread and the juice, each in their own cup. Take a moment. Receive it. Breathe. And remember that God is with you in that moment. And you are embodying Christ in that moment. And then you may put the cups in the communion rail on either side, or you can take them back to your seat as well. Come and let us celebrate God's love together.
Let's pray. Good and holy God, it is a wonderful gift to come to your table, to be reminded of your love, of all the events that have happened that first holy week. God, in this week, in the days to come, remind us of your love. Guide us and open our eyes to see those acts of beauty that we might stand and take in our lives, knowing that we don't have to wait for the big moments, but that the big moments are each and every moment with you. God, we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able as we sing our closing hymn together. talked about and take those brazen acts of beauty and live into them in your lives. And so we have a few opportunities to do that 
First, there are opportunities to lifelong learning here at BUMC. First is the UMW is having a, a detective from Brexville Police Department join them on Thursday here at the church at 10 o'clock, and they will be talking about internet scams. And we have had several. You've received requests from me, right? But it's not actually me. And so they'll be talking about scams like this and how to avoid them. And then also on um, April 19th, we will have a, a opportunity to learn with the Trevor Project. And this will be an Ally 101 training for the LGBTQ community. And you can sign up for this as um, an adult for, and an ally for a youth and to understand and to learn um, different dynamics that go into being part of that community. And so this is a great opportunity that we have through Zoom um, from 6 to 8 o'clock online, April 19th. You can connect with um, us in the office, or you can email inclusion at brexelumc.com for more information for that. And then also we will be collecting for MedWorks here in the next few weeks. We are going to be putting together some hygiene kits like we did last fall, and we'll be giving them through MedWorks to those who are uninsured or underinsured. And we heard some really wonderful feedback from MedWorks when we gave out these in, uh, in the fall. People really loved them and loved receiving these hygiene kits and were asking about them again. And so we have opportunities throughout this year to gather all of these items together, to pack the kits together, and then to go and to deliver them and to connect with the people as they receive them with the MedWorks clinics. And so um, there are lists here in the bulletin and on Linktree, and you can bring in the items here, and we will put them all together after Easter, which is just in a few weeks. And then also with that, we today is our last call for Easter flowers. So if you would like to purchase an Easter flower, um, either an honor, honor or memory of someone, you can do that, and then you can take it home with you, or you can donate it to one of our shut-ins here at the church. And then with Holy Week, it does begin next Sunday with Palm Sunday. And we will have two worship services here for Palm Sunday. The children will be participating and bringing the message, and it will be a great, great time together. The choir will be singing with the praise band at the 8.30 and the 10 o'clock service. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then that will kick off our Holy Week time of, of celebration and remembrance. Then on Monday, Thursday, we will have a service here on, at the church as well as online at 7 o'clock. And then on Friday, Good Friday, we will also have a, a worship service at 7 o'clock here in person as well as online. And then on Easter Sunday, there are three opportunities to worship at our 7 o'clock sunrise service outside on the lawn, and that will be live streamed as well as in person. And then here in the sanctuary, we will have our 8.30 service and our 10 o'clock service. The 8.30 service will have a brass quintet. Is that right? 
five quintet, that's right. And then also the organ and the choir, and it will be a beautiful service of celebration. And then also another beautiful service of celebration at 10 o'clock. So I encourage you to invite friends, neighbors. This is a great way to to kind of dip a toe into worship and, and what this means as a Christian. And so with all of those opportunities, let us receive our benediction and go into the world for God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen. Thank you.